Hello, and welcome to the Wild Heart Meditation Center podcast. We release these episodes every week on Wednesday mornings, and the best way to support us is by clicking subscribe and taking a moment to rate the podcast wherever you are listening. If you'd like to support our efforts to keep the nonprofit Meditation Center open in Nashville, you can donate via Venmo by sending your donation to at Wild Heart Nashville, or you can make a donation through our website, wildheartmeditationcenter.org, by clicking the Donate tab. Peace and love. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, the topic for tonight is embrace your inner demons. I grew up in an interesting part of the Southeast. We called it L.A., which stands, stands for Lower Alabama. Anybody know what Lower Alabama it's, it's an interesting spot that's like on the, the state line of Florida and Alabama. So a little bit of Florida, a little bit of Alabama there. A lot of interesting things happen there. Um, occasionally we'll make the news when somebody you know, gets hurt on spring break or uh, some, some sort of sensational things. Uh, this was a few years ago and that we made the news for Satanism. The Northwest Florida uh, Satanic Temple is actually really present in Pensacola, Florida. If anybody's been to Pensacola, Florida, that's kind of the area I'm from. And they're really present there, and they do a lot of great things, but they also uh, are quite politically engaged, too. And so they had a city hall meeting, and and the Satanic Temple really tries to maintain equality for religious rights. And... In this city hall meeting, they would have different religious leaders sign up to do a prayer before they start. And so, you know, the Methodists and Southern Baptists and, you know, not not a very diverse area when it comes to uh, spiritual faiths. A member of the Satanic Temple signed up to do the prayer before their city hall meeting. And it was so interesting to watch that... He, he got up there and started, and he was wearing like black robes and like total like what you would imagine a Satanist would look like. And he, he comes out with, hell, Satan, like in this chant. And, and people in the room like treated him like he was Count fucking Dracula. Like they put out their like, their, their crosses and like were like, <laughs> like and they started, uh, you know, screaming almost the, like the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father at Him. Really, it was quite reactionary, but the judge tried to stop the people from their, like, protests, their Our Father, their Count Dracula stuff. And the judge was, like, you know, calling to order. Uh, judge, I don't know who runs a city hall meeting. The guy with the gavel was trying to put it to uh, rest to get them to calm down so they can start. And they were doing everything to get rid of the Satanists because they said, one guy just blurted out, he's going to uh, bring curses on you and us. So they were just like afraid of welcoming the Satanists because he represented all that is evil and all that is scary and all that is demonic. And, and they, everything in them wanted them to push this devil out, push this Satanist out. And something about that, I had a sense of empathy, really, for these people that were acting so reactionary. It's like, I understand that. There's so many demons and devils living in my heart. 
that I want to put up a big protest to get them out. And while I'm not holding, bearing a cross or, or yelling our fathers and Lord's prayers at people, the things I've done too put up a big protest to hide from my own demons and devils. Years of drinking to hide, to protest from these inner demons. Years of violence and acting in reactionary ways to push out, to hide and banish these inner demons. And it started to make sense when he was talking about his fears of just being in company of, of something that represents something so, so-called bad, evil, and wrong. So growing up in this area of town, too, that I, I had a, a consistent feeling, and it still lingers today, that there's something wrong with me, that I'm strange, I'm a weirdo, I'm unique, I'm the outcast. There was a certain time in my life my parents got divorced, and they split up, and I was, they didn't know what to do with me. So my mom had me sign up to play sports because I was a kid and didn't have any place to go. I wasn't too motivated to play the sports, and there was so much ridicule about you're weird, you're dressed weird, you're into weird things. At that time, I was like not into football, I was into like punk rock. And I wasn't down with it, but I had no other place to go, so my mom kind of forced me to play sports. And just the ridicule of just like them trying to motivate me to do something was like, well, just, just do this, just conform to this, just stop being weird, stop being into that weird stuff, be into football. And it stuff kind of lingers with me that there's something wrong with me, that I need to just, why can't you just be like them? That's a, a consistent demon in my mind. Why can't you just be like them? And while I feel like I'm strange and unique, I know that feeling ain't strange and unique. I know a good amount of you feel strange and unique in this room, right? And show of hands, who feels weird? Yeah. Not that weird, huh? <laughs> but somewhere along the lines, we get this message that they're, they're, we are weird. There's something wrong with us. These shame spirals we, we find ourselves in. So what, what can I do about this? And at the time, um, in the spiritual communities and religions I was involved in at the time, uh, I don't know if I fully understood it, you know? I grew up, being, I grew up, grew up Christian, and I don't know if I fully understood it, really this superficial level of understanding why I'm there. Like, why go to church? Well, my superficial understanding left me to go, well, so I can die and go to heaven. Like, that's the goal, right? Die and go to heaven. And when I'm with that as the goal, everything becomes divided into this binary of heaven and hell, of good and evil, sin and virtue. And when I banish certain things that aren't worthy of heaven, I want to be good enough to go to heaven. So my feelings of being weird, they're not good. Those are evil. Get those out because I, they're not worthy of entering the pearly gates. These feelings 
of, of you know, isolation. Those are evil. They're not worthy of the pearly gates. Me, I'm bad. I'm not worthy of the pearly gates. I'm not worthy of going to heaven. And it's just very confusing. You know, my name's uh, Mikey, but it's Michael after St. Michael. St. Michael who banishes the devil from heaven. And all this time, I feel like I'm the one that's been banished. And, you know, I don't want to pick on Christianity, too, because we can do it here, can't we? Buddhism, we can enter into, oh, the goal of enlightenment. I'm going to be enlightened somewhere down the line. That's not right here. And then we can go through the Eightfold Path and look at the ethics, and we have that word right, right speech, right livelihood, right thought even. And then we can scrutinize that and get really rigid about right thought, wholesome mind states versus unwholesome mind states. Is this a wholesome mind state? We get so judgy about even our minds sometimes in here. And I'm not asking you to be wholesome. I'm asking you to be whole. So this is the invitation to love the fullness of our experience, even the parts that may feel bad, wrong, and evil. This is the invitation to live a wholehearted, full life, even the parts that may be scared. Because this banishing does something. When we banish our emotions, banish our feelings, banish our thoughts, create such a strict rule book around ourselves, it gets scary. If we think about what's the scariest thing ever, it's those monsters in the closets. It's the sounds that go bump in the night. It's the, the unknown is the most scariest thing that I can think of. And what happens is our internal environment gets divided up, gets segregated, and some parts of our experience get unknown. And so when we close our eyes, it can get really scary in there because of the unknown. So the invitation is to become friends with the parts that are scared. Uh, as Carl Jung says, enlightenment doesn't come from imagining figures of light. It uh, comes from bringing the darkness into consciousness. Bringing the darkness into consciousness. In a society that values light over darkness in almost every fucking place, it's about time we embrace the darkness in multiple ways, internal, external, both. So honoring this so-called darkness and finding beauty and bringing it conscious, how? What a tough thing to do. How can we do this? I think first step is looking at the fear and, and even loving that. A teacher of mine, Vinnie Ferraro, says, there's only what's loved and what's longing to be loved. And our fear is just longing for a certain amount of love. And the Buddha taught that loving kindness is the antidote to fear. Because if we try to pummel our fear, conquer our fear, banish the fear, now we're creating another compartment of segregation in our hearts. Can we just start with fear? 
bring love, care, kindness with fear, and something happens. And this kindness really transforms the barriers in our heart. There's a story that I love to tell because it's so true in my experience. It's the story of King Saka and his angering demon. There was this demon in the time of the Buddha that went around and he had an interesting diet. He ate anger. That was his thing. He loved anger, fed off of anger. Mm -hmm. And King Saka had a palace and he had a throne and it was a very beautiful palace and a very beautiful throne and he had to go away on business. So King Saka made sure to have guards protect his throne, protect his palace. So he set up some guards to protect the palace and King Saka left. And while King Saka left, a sneaky, anger-eating demon snuck in through the door and sat right on King Saka's throne. The guards were upset by this. What the fuck do you think you're doing, anger-eating demon? That's King Saka's throne, the great King Saka. Get out of here. And then the anger-eating demon was like, sweet, and just grew some off of that anger. And then the guards were like, why do you feel, you know, you're growing up on me, you're bowing up, you're getting big, you're not so tough, anger-eating demon, get the fuck out of here. And then it just grew even more. And then, whoa, you're growing, you're smelly, you're nasty, you're an ugly, anger-eating demon. And it just grew and grew and grew. And every time they insulted, tried to hoist out, tried to push away, the anger-eating demon grew more and more and more until it took up the whole palace. And then King Saka came back and saw the anger-eating demon taking up his whole palace. And so King Saka knew better. King Saka says, well, what's up, anger-eating demon? How are you doing? Thanks for visiting me. And then the anger-eating demon kind of shrunk a little bit. And King Saka's like, yeah, you seem like you're a little worked up, anger-eating demon. Like, you could chill here for a moment. That's okay. And then it shrunk even more. And he said, oh, well, how's the anger-eating kids? How's the anger-eating wife? Like, you know, how, how, how's, how's the family? And it shrunk even more. How about some tea? How about a foot rub? You know, it shrank even more. And it, keep on, it kept on shrinking till it was manageable. And, of course, the analogy to this is any of these mind states that are, are growing because of our own aversion to them our own hatred towards them, our own banishing of them, they're just going to grow and get nastier and smellier and meaner. But if we can be like, oh, hey, I see you. I see you, mind state. Okay. And, and what happens, it shrinks. So in this analogy of me feeling like you're different, you're weird, you don't fit in here. You don't fit in here. Let's go with that one. You don't fit in here. And then I can be like, no, no demon, I fit in here. And it's like, and then it's going to be like, no, I'm pretty sure you're weird. Like, look at you. Like, you're a mess. And you didn't even shave today. And you're like, okay. Well, you know, and, and it's like, no. And then I'm in an internal argument with this weird part of me. If I can just turn towards that weird part of me and be kind to it, it tends to shrink a little bit. And then what happens is when it shrinks, there tends to be something left. There tends to be some underlying part of me that has been completely hidden by my 
loud mental demons. Because I'm sure I needed that thought at some point in my life. I'm sure I needed that, you're weird. At some point in my life, isolate, be different. I'm sure I needed that because I know the younger me probably didn't have the capacity to hold the heartbreak of my parents' divorce, of being forced to do things I didn't want to do, playing sports, of, you know, just being, not having friends at that time in my life. That was probably too much for me to hold at that age. So of course my mind goes into these extremes to protect me. But now's the time, I'm much older, much more equipped to be gentle and kind to that mind state and understanding of that mind that says I'm weird and let it shrink a little bit with kindness. Even tell it thank you for being here when I needed you. And changing our relationship to that so I can now be with the heartbreak of that younger exiled child in me, that kid in me that just feels heartbroken, confused, lost, insecure, separate, and really feeling into that directly. And like feeling it too, this direct experience. As I can talk about what's the direct experience of hearing a sound, what's the direct experience of heartbreak? that's been hidden from you for 20 plus years. Like, what is that experience? And really, it can be really body. Like, what's it, what's it felt in the body? And I'm pointing at my heart. There, there's a little bit there, but a lot of my throat, and my arms, and really going into bringing insight into, what is this? What is this? What is this emotion? What is this feeling? What is this impulse? And feeling it. And what's my relationship to this? And when we discover our relationship to this, we can switch from the hatred, the banishing, the exiling, to welcoming, bringing that fullness of our experience. And we can't hate ourselves into becoming something we'll eventually love, give up. Give up. Just love all the parts of you. Even the parts that may feel scary. Even the parts that may feel wrong and bad and evil. No good, no bad. Just what's loved and what's longing to be loved. And we could throw out the rule book. Good thought, bad thought, wholesome thought, unwholesome thought. Just love what is. Very simple. Love what is. Very simple, but very hard to do, I understand. And so that's why we bring this into our meditation practice. What is this? And what's my relationship to it? Love what is. What a silly thing to say. Love what is? What do you mean by love what is? I feel like a lot of times my, my practice is just figuring out what that word means. What does love mean? And I think like you'll find your own definitions of love and just sitting and figuring out, like, what, do you, what does that even mean, love? And for me, love is a synonym for connection. When I hear a song I love, it's because I feel connected with that song. When I see somebody I love, I feel connected with that person. And so love, those parts of us that are hard to love, it's mean connect with them. 
We don't have to be in a romance. We don't have to make out with them. Please don't self-identify with them. Just connect. Yeah, I see you. There you are. Just like the Buddha and the devil, Mara. Mara is the devil in Buddhism. And rather than banishing Mara, the Buddha said, I see you, Mara. I see you. I see you. And sweet acknowledgement. I see you. So really that acknowledgement and connection rather than banishing is, a, is quite a beautiful way to love these inner demons. Another one I like for love, though, is uh, security. Where I talk about loving kindness, like fear, that loving kindness is the antidote to fear, because fear is that insecurity. Like, I don't feel safe. But if we try to force feed, oh, you can do this, you go, go, and like, like try to jock out on that, it, if we bring loving kindness, we'll go further. So loving yourself through the fear. That's what you know, the Buddha said when, when the monks and nuns were afraid to go meditate in the forest when, because there are tree ghosts out there. He said, go wish loving kindness towards the tree ghosts. Wish loving kindness to the ghosts. You know, there's a haunted hotel somewhere in Tennessee that I had a couple friends go to, and they couldn't stay the night. They said, no, we're out. This place is haunted. I want to do a loving-kindness retreat at that hotel, like, so badly. <laughs> so I got one thumbs up. I've been talking to our, our leadership team about that, and they're like, no way. You go do that, not me. But this is the lesson. Like, whatever you're afraid of, wish kindness towards it. And that will provide us with the security to go do what needs to be done to connect with the parts of us that are hard to connect with. So I want to do a meditation on loving kindness. One, we'll do it towards ourselves. And then I'm going to invite you to bring up a part of you that's hard to love. Some part of you that's been demonized. Some part of you that you feel is bad and wrong and evil. Some part of you that is just, you'd rather it go away. Right? And we flip the script and let bring some loving kindness towards it. Sound good? So find yourself in a in a posture that's suitable for just some loving kindness. Finding a sweet way to sit. We don't have to be too strict or rigid. Not even bringing rules and judgments to our posture. Just what way does this body want to sit? <clears throat> and if it's comfortable for you allowing the eyes to close or just having a soft gaze in front of you. And just starting again with some soothing breaths, deep in and out breaths. Just in through the nose, out through the mouth. It's a soft, easy welcome. Mm-hmm. As we ease this breath, easing the body, bringing gentleness and kindness towards this body, softening any points of tension held in the body. From the top of the head down to the bottoms of the feet, soothing. Knees, deep in and out breath.
just bringing presence as you allow this body to return to its natural pace of breathing, letting this body breathe itself. As the judgments arise, oh, I see you judgments. It's fantasies, plans. And he arises, oh, I see you. And just come back to the breath. Come back to the sounds, come back to the body. back to the heart, welcoming in this heart, just breathing in and out from this heart space, bringing in the sweetness of loving kindness, and it may be helpful to put your hands on your heart to bring up the sweetness of being held and holding this tender part. And just lifting up this intention to be friendly with all of the parts of you. Every aspect of your experience that's calling for love as we breathe in and out from this heart. This gentleness, kindness, how sweet can you be with yourself right now? as the barriers and the rules and the judgments around this heart just collapse. Just collapsing into this love, this kindness, this friendship you can develop with yourself. Lifting up this quality of self-love, really, with the phrase, may I be at ease. Just saying that towards yourself, may I be at ease. May I be at ease. may I be at ease isn't a comparison to another thought or another feeling. This is the invitation to be at ease with whatever arises. If a hateful, rude, judging thought arises, may I be at ease with that thought. If some pain, some anxiety, some difficulty arises, May I be at ease with that pain? So indiscriminate kindness, being kind towards everything. May I be at ease with it all. May I be at ease.
So transitioning to the phrase, may I be at peace. Just saying that silently towards yourself over and over again. May I be at peace. May I be at peace. Being at peace with everything, the pleasant, the unpleasant. Being at peace with our unpeacefulness. Approach with peace. May I be at peace. May I be at peace. May I be at peace. Just over and over again. Being sweet with yourself. Just saying that. May I be at peace. Introducing the phrase, may I be kind and gentle with myself. May I be kind and gentle with myself. May I be kind and gentle with myself over and over. May I be kind and gentle with myself. just the way you are. May I be kind and gentle with myself. Nothing to fix, just more to love. May I be kind and gentle with myself. Introducing the last phrase, may I be filled with loving kindness. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be filled with loving kindness. Just trying that phrase on, just saying it towards yourself. May I be filled with loving kindness. something so beautiful and heartwarming 
love and kindness. And we can rest in this 2,600-year-old tradition of loving kindness, just like the Buddha, wishing loving kindness towards ourselves, even if we're afraid. May I be filled with loving kindness. are the phrases, may I be at ease, may I be at peace, may I be kind and gentle with myself, may I be filled with loving kindness, may I be at ease, may I be at peace, may I be kind and gentle with myself. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be at ease. May I be at peace. May I be kind and gentle with myself. May I be filled with loving kindness. Over and over. Now the invitation is to directly welcome a part of you that's difficult to love. This could be a thought, some self-hatred thought, some shaming thought, some judgment, demand on yourself. This could be a, a younger version of yourself. You as a child that's longing for some attention right now. A younger version of yourself. This could be you a week ago. This could be an emotion. Just really sitting in this presence without demanding any answers. What part of me is longing for love and attention right now? I'm just feeling this in the body, just welcoming this part that's difficult to be with, feeling it in the, the heart. As you bring this nourishment with these phrases, may you be at ease. May you be at peace. May you be kind and gentle with yourself. May you be filled with loving kindness. I'm just saying this to whatever difficulty you're experiencing, wishing, well wishes to the part that may be 
exiled and hidden or banished. May you be at ease. May you be at peace. May you be kind and gentle with yourself. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be at ease. May you be at peace. May you be kind and gentle with yourself. May you be filled with loving kindness. Just ending this love affair with ourselves with a message from the great Mr. Rogers. It's you I like. It's you I like. Not the clothes you wear. Not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you, not your toys, they're just beside you, but it's you I like.